them. I'm like, oh, dang it. So, um, yeah, it's that kind of morning. So I hope you pray for your pastor because this is one of those mornings where uh, I definitely need it. Um, a lot going on and, and a lot happening this week. And uh, we're not complaining. Don't take it that way. We just uh, sometimes need a little extra, right? I joke all the, I joke all the time that uh, I don't get tired, right? I just stay that way, right? And um, uh, this morning, I think that's not so much of a joke. I feel kind of tired. But uh, God is able to sustain us, and we appreciate him and his goodness and how he works in our life. And, and I'm excited and I'm encouraged, and it's because of you, amen? And I want you to get excited. I want you to get encouraged. And I love what Josh shared with us this morning. He comes up after they practice this morning, and he says, uh, I'm going to say something. And I'm thinking, now, when, later, what? And everything else, he says, right before we sing. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, go for it. And um, so forth. So I had no idea what he was going to say. But so much of what he said, uh, and even when Sam, how about my silent partner reading this morning, right? For those of you that don't know, she calls herself my silent partner because she never talks. And, um, or at least not up in front. But, um, you know, she got choked up at a part. And I, I think it's just, it amazes me how God pulls everything together the way it needs to be pulled together, right? And, and sometimes when we feel like we're inadequate and sometimes we feel like, you know, we're, we're um, uh, running behind on this or running behind on that or whatever and we, we trust God and we believe in God and we've made the preparation. Don't misunderstand. I'm not standing up here making any excuses. I've made the preparation this week. But when we do all of that and it seems like that's when God shows up and he does the little extras that are needed amen and uh, i don't know maybe it's just me because i'm the one that has to get up here but i notice those things and i pay attention to those things and i think it's important as a church and especially when we talk about moves of god in our life i think it's important for us to come to a point in a place that we realize that there's no move with me right there's no move with no matter how awesome the singing was this morning and it was awesome right no matter how awesome the singing was this morning, there's no move in, in just the singing, right? The move comes when we begin to approach God and allow God to begin doing God things in our lives. So when you come in this morning and, and you tell me, Jay, I, I'm reading the Sermon on the Mount. I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And, and it's one thing to tell me you're doing it, but when I start to see the evidence of it, amen? When I start to see the, the move of God transcending into your life, that's when I'm excited because that's when I know the Holy Spirit is doing a whole lot more than I'm doing in your lives. Amen? And I think it's so important that we understand that because when we look at, at what ha what's happening here in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be back in Luke chapter 2 this morning, we see the move and the power of God manifest. Right? I mean, we're talking about an immaculate conception, right? We're talking about an angel who says the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will move upon you and you will be, you will be pregnant. You will have a child, right? We see moments uh, like we saw last week where Jesus, under the authority of the Spirit, is, is teaching the masters, right? The greatest of the great when it comes to the law were sitting there and Jesus was profoundly ministering to them. And it says that they were amazed, right? And this morning we're going to talk about a guy, Simeon, and a lady 
Anna, we've heard probably a lot about Simeon over the years, but we probably haven't heard a lot about Anna. But these were two people who were way up in years, way up in years, but what were they tearing for? Why hadn't they died? Why were they still here? And the scripture tells us, I'm going to read it to you in a minute, and it's because the Holy Ghost moved upon them and said to them that you will not leave, you will not die until you see the Messiah, until you see the salvation of the Lord. And so what I want us to grasp this morning is that we are all challenged to go to that place to where God is moving and God is working and God is doing godly things. And, and you know, I, I hate to, to throw punches up here, but I think sometimes we live in a culture and we live in, a, we live in an age where we do our thing and we expect God to show up. Right? We do what we want and then we expect God to be in the middle of it. And we get pouty when he isn't. Amen? And, and the problem with that idea is, and, and Josh kind of hit the nail on the head. I should have just let him preach this morning. But, but the, 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 the problem with that mentality, the problem with that I'm right, everybody else is wrong, and God's just going to have to get on the train. The problem with that mentality is that God has seen it all. God has been there. God knows what's coming. God is able to move in us and deliver us and take us into the places that we haven't seen yet. And so there is nothing that happens in our life that rocks his world. There's nothing that we encounter that blows his mind. Amen? Because he has transcended and he has seen it. And so now he's allowing his spirit to move upon us to prepare us and move us into those things. Amen? And so what we're going to see, Simeon gives us that knowledge. Amen. When Josh, was, when Josh was saying this back there, I'm thinking, man, we are right on target with each other this morning. Simeon tells us exactly this in his song. Amen. I don't know if you know it, but Luke 2 is broken up into four different songs from four different people that rejoice at the appearing of the Savior. Right? And so in, in Simeon's song, he basically tells us that we are moving to a period that we haven't seen yet. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But... We're moving into a time, we're moving into a place that we haven't seen yet. And it is vital that we have a savior for it. So let me get into the scripture this morning. Luke chapter 2. It should be on the screen for you. And starting at verse 27. I'm sorry, verse 25. And it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. See, I didn't make that up. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now, let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now I'm going to stop there for just a minute. 
because I think it's important that, that we grasp what is taking place here. Here is a man who is very old, probably in a lot of ways sickly, not getting around, not moving like it was. It even tells us that the Holy Ghost led him into the temple this day, knowing Jesus would be there. Amen? And, and so it brings us to the reality that maybe he wasn't even able to go to the temple every day. Now, the scriptures don't say that, but if you kind of just read into what's given to us, we can kind of get the idea that maybe he was at that stage of life where, man, it was tough for him to get there every day, but, but something pressed on him to be there this day, the day Jesus would be there and God would fulfill his promise to show him the Messiah, right? And so number one, what, what I think is important for us to understand in that is we've got to understand that there are bigger things working in our lives than what we realize, right? If, if, we, if we don't take time to acknowledge the Spirit's work and Heaven's work in our life and over our lives through the day, then we lose sight of all that God is trying to do for us and in us. Amen? And, and the, the hard part with that is we're, we're so consumed with technology now, right? I mean, I mean there are literally days that, that I wish that, that maybe the cell tires would go out for a few weeks, right? So that people would get back to God and, and quit with this mirage of, of Facebook and Instagram and, and TikTok and whatever it is, the stuff the kids, I don't even know what TikTok is, but I know it's a thing, right? Whatever it is that these kids do these days and, and everything else like that, because I'm going to be honest with you, I think we've lost our reality because of it. We've lost our reality because of it. And, and I see stuff all of the time, and, and I think to myself, man, that, that's totally missing the boat. Even in the church, right? I, I see a lot of great rah-rah stuff put, put up there online. And, and I have no problem with rah-rah preaching. I rah-rah sometimes, okay? I, all right, I have no problem with that. But here's the problem with rah-rah preaching. If we're just rah-rahing and we're not laying down a foundation that people can stand on and live on and allow it to sustain their lives, then we're filling people with emotion and we're not filling people with the power of the Holy Spirit who can literally make a difference in their life. And that's the challenge for us, friend, to come to a place that we want to be moved and not just need to be moved. You see, there's a whole lot of us today that need to be moved. And we're trying to find the movement everywhere. And here's the reality. You can watch a million snippets on Facebook. You can watch a million YouTube videos. Amen? And I do that, all right? So I'm not, I'm not downing anyone. I watch some of this stuff, and some of this stuff gives me ideas and whatever. But, but the reality, friend, is if you're not in your word, and if you're not on your knees, and if you're not spending time fasting before God to allow God to truly move upon you, you are only sponging off of the things that God is giving those who are allowing him to move them. Amen? You're just borrowing from what God has already empowered them into. Amen? And what we fail to realize is that we need to be moved. We need to be touched. We need to be changed. And in order for that to happen, we've got to enter into his gates. We've got to enter into a place to where we allow God to speak to us and move in our lives. And I believe Simeon is a perfect example of that. 
Amen? A perfect, a perfect example of that. Someone who waited. Someone who stayed true. Someone who was fundamentally sound. Someone who wasn't drawn by this or that and wasn't easily swayed by the things of this world, but someone who was on point and focused on what God had promised. And nothing else mattered. Nothing else was good enough. Nothing else would satisfy. And so Simeon said, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to be there. I'm going to see it. And I believe he did it with expectation. I don't believe he got up going every morning going, oh, please, God, just show me and let me go. Right? I believe he, I believe he enjoyed his life. I believe, he, I believe he enjoyed the promise. I believe he was excited about what he knew God was going to do. Amen? And friends, I'm going to be honest. When we, when we gobble ourselves up in all of the stuff, and we're not truly gobbled up into Jesus. We're not truly focused on how he's moving and where he's moving and what he's doing. Amen? And, and choosing to be our part of that. Then, friend, we lose our excitement really quick. We lose our excitement really quick. Amen? There's a thing that's been going around. <laughs> I've been talking against social media. Now I'm going to talk about social media. There's been a thing that's been going around uh, for years. I, I read it several years ago the first time about someone who had not been to church in a while. And the pastor went to visit him. I'm going to paraphrase it real quick. The pastor went to visit him and everything. And they sat there and they didn't really talk a whole lot. They just kind of sat, enjoyed each other's company, exchanged pleasantries, maybe shared a cup of tea or something, if I remember, and everything. And at one point, the pastor gets up, doesn't say anything about the church, never preaches to the guy, never tells him to come back to church or anything else. But he just goes over and he takes a coal out of the fire and he sets it on the hearth and he sits back down. And so as they're sitting there, the coal begins to lose its fire begins to lose its warmth, begin to lose, you know, the, the, the heat from it, and it begins to die, begins to die out. Doesn't mean that the coal wouldn't still burn, doesn't mean that the, the coal didn't have any worth, but it just meant that the, the coal was burning out and, and dying and fading, right? And so after they sat there and talked for a while and to where you couldn't hardly see any ember whatsoever in it any longer, the pastor went over and he picked up the coal and he placed it back into the fire. And never said a word about it, just did that. And as they were leaving, the, um, the man that he visited said to him, thanks for the visit and thanks for the um, overwhelming message. Right? You see, sometimes when we get out of the fire, doesn't mean that we're not still a good person. Doesn't mean that we're not probably still going to heaven because that's determined by Jesus' work and not our work, right? But it means that we can lose our fire and we can lose our excitement and we can lose our hope in what it is that God has for our lives. And so what do we do? We start sponging off of everything else. We start sponging off of someone else's fire. We start sponging off of the things that look good and look cool on the internet, amen, and, and again, like I said, I have no problem with rah-rah preaching, but at the same time, if all you're getting is the rah-rah, and you're not getting the foundation that gives you something to live by and stand upon, then you're really not helping yourself at all, you're just putting yourself in a place where you feel good for a minute, and then five minutes later, you're searching for something else to boost you, amen, when in reality, what you need to boost you is Jesus, in reality, what you need to boost you, what you need to move you,
is Jesus. And so that's what we're challenged to. Amen? And to me, Simeon is an example of this. We don't, we don't see a whole lot about him, but just by the mere fact that we know he's old, we know he's, he's probably decrepit and he's struggling in life and everything else, but he is holding on to what God promised faithfully with excitement. And he's looking for it every day to be who and what God promised. And so he's waiting. And so he finds his way in to the temple and he finds Jesus and immediately the spirit reveals who Jesus is to him and he rejoices he takes him up in his arms and he blesses God and and sometimes in scriptures things just jump out at you that you haven't seen before and, and verse 29 is one of those and and when you think about what Simeon has endured to get to this place it says a lot more to me when he says, Lord, now. Now. You see, there is a now point to all of our lives. There is a now moment to who all of us are and what all of us were created for. We all have a now. There is not a single person walking this earth. There's not a single person who has lived or will live that God didn't have a purpose for. Amen? It's, it's, even, it's even referred to in some places in Scripture that if there isn't a purpose, he doesn't create them. Right? So we all have a purpose, and all of our purposes are different, but that doesn't mean that all of our purposes aren't important. And I think it's important for us to read this, this text, this simple three-letter word that Simeon was created for this moment to acknowledge what God has done. And he says, now. For years, he's, he's observed the, the oppression, the political oppression of the Jews, the, the, the financial oppression uh, of Israel, and, and on and on and on and on, and all of the oppressed People and all of the states of oppression that we're, we're dealing with. And I, uh, I used to teach uh, a class of ninth graders about this, and I, I would always exaggerate how oppressed the people were because I don't think we really understand how bad it was, how oppressed people were back in that day. And so Jesus is coming, and he is ministering to all of these things. And Simeon is someone who has sat back, and he's watched it all unfold for all of these years, knowing God had an answer. He knew God had an answer. He knew God had a solution. He knew that God was going to solve it. And he was waiting. And so when Jesus is revealed to him, he says, now. And that there's a point in, in all lives when everything changes. And it is at this moment that everything changed for Simeon, everything changed for the nation of Israel, everything changed for the Jew and Gentile alike, and everything changes for you and, <clears throat> for you and I in this moment. And, and he acknowledges that to us. I wish sometimes the Bible would like put in all caps right there because that now word just really jumped out to me this time. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace. He didn't know what was going to happen. 
He didn't know it was going to end on Golgotha. He didn't know that it was going to end in, in, in tragedy as far as the world is concerned. He just knew that God promised and God delivered. And I'm okay with whatever you do from here, Jesus. I'm okay with whatever you do from this moment, God, because this is what you've promised. I trusted you would bring it. You've brought it. Now take me home. Right? And, and so we are challenged to that idea of life too. We are challenged to that place. And if we are walking in the firmament of heaven, if we are walking in the firmament of, of the spiritual things that God brings to our life, we are going to stand in a footing that is absolute. It will not tarry. It will not change. It will not be broken. It will not be torn down by the things of this world. And we will stand in a place that is absolute. And when we see God move and God deliver what he promised in every situation, we, like Simeon, can say now, God is here and God is moving and God is making a difference. And that is... That is that is ultimately why Jesus comes. Jesus comes for all of us to have a now moment. Jesus comes so that all of us might have a now moment and move in to the standing and the place and the purposes that God had for our life. Simeon goes on and he says this. Let me depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. I think it's important for us, I think it's important for us to understand the depth of what God is doing here, right? A, a Messiah was promised to come and deliver the nation of Israel, right? And everyone thought that he would set up an earthly kingdom and, and, you know, they could stick their tongues out at the Romans and, and everything would be great and everything would be fine from that point forward and everything else. But that's not, that's not exactly what God did, right? God brought salvation to the nation of Israel. God brought salvation to them. And by bringing salvation to them, he brought it to us as well. I want to I share something. Bob's going to put it up there. I want to share something to you out of the book of Isaiah. Where he says, um, let's find it here. In Isaiah 49, he says this to everyone. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant. To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light... To the Gentiles that they, thou mayest be salvation unto the end of the earth. Isaiah years before describes what Simeon says here. And he says that because of what God has done. I'm going to do a work that's so big. It's too big for just Israel alone. I promise to preserve Israel. And I'm going to deliver Israel through the Messiah. But I'm going to deliver the Gentiles as well. Because what I'm bringing is big, right? It's real big, right? What do we do on Christmas? We save the big gift for last, right? Or whatever. No one does that? Everybody's looking at me like I'm nuts. Okay. When I was a kid, right, mom would always save the big gift for last, right? 
whatever that was. And, you know, I had a mom that worked two and three jobs, and, and my big gifts weren't always your big gifts, and, and that's okay, and, and so forth, because mom put her heart and soul into it, and there was a lot of love into it. And, and if I didn't have anything else, I had a house full of love. Amen? I was loved. Man, and I know a lot of kids today don't get that, and, and I wish I could hug them and love them all and, and, and let them know how important it is. But <clears throat> we would always save the best for last. Amen? The culmination, the final effect. And here we are. Here we are with Jesus. Right? God had laid down a law for man to follow, and that law was crazy. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. But that law was crazy, man. There was a lot of stuff those people do to had to stay to stay in the, in the eyes of God and the things that God wanted for their life. And, and we'll touch on that a little bit next week. And, and also, we'll, we'll talk about how a couple of Christmas carols that we're used to were formed because it comes right out of Scripture, right? Twelve days of Christmas, there's not, not, not the Lords of Leaping and all that stuff, but the turtle doves and a couple other things come right out of Scripture. Did you know that? Some of you knew that? Good, good, I like it. Um, so what we find, however, is we find now Simeon is at a place where he is saying to us that nothing will be the same from this point forward. Nothing will be the same from this point forward. That's why the now matters. Amen? And every time you hear the word of God, every time he pricks you with truth from the scripture, every time the Holy Spirit moves on your life and moves upon your heart, you are at a now moment. You are at a now moment where you are now accountable for that and you are now able to move and do things according to God's work in your life. Amen? And I want you to understand that. I ran from this for years and I spent two years in a really dark place and a lot of really dark stuff because I didn't want to stand up here. But when I finally submitted and I realized that the misery and the suffering that I was going through by living in the world sucked, sorry if that offends you, but there is no other way to describe it, amen? And I would much rather walk in the paths and the footprints of God than to walk by my own might anymore, whatever it meant, I chose Jesus. It was, not my, it was my now moment when I chose Jesus and I chose to do it his way. I'd played it for years. I, I tried to do it my way and ask him, invite him into it. Amen. And, and, but there was no power. There was no authority. There was no spiritual direction whatsoever. It was just me playing games. Amen. And I came to a place and a point where that wasn't, that wasn't going to work. It was a now moment for me. It was a moment for me where I chose Jesus. And I did it with everything inside of me. And immediately everything in my life began to change. I began to show the evidence of everything in my life. I didn't go through the highs and lows anymore because I was fixated on Jesus. I was fixated on him, I was fixated on who he was, and I was fixated on what he was choosing to do in my life. It was a now moment, and everything changed. And Simeon is promising that kind of moment for all of us. He's promising that kind of moment for all of us when he says, now the salvation of the Lord is here. Amen. I told you last week, and I'll probably tell you a hundred more times because it's one of my favorite moments in Scripture. Amen. The angels went nuts 
in front of the shepherd that night because the shepherds weren't grasping the magnitude of what was happening and they lost it. They had like this huge praise and worship moment in the sky because Jesus had come to earth. Amen? And here's another moment where Simon is saying to all of us who don't realize it yet that this is going to change everything. It is a now moment. And because of it, I'm willing to go, I'm willing to die, and I'm willing to die in peace because I know that what you've done here, God, will fix everything. Right? It will fix everything. And for those who choose Jesus, it does. For those who choose Jesus, it does. Back to Luke chapter 2. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna nails it. And the reality is most of us have probably never even heard of Anna. Right? Because it's mentioned so quick, it's mentioned so brief, we read through it, we think, oh yeah, there's nothing significant there and we move on. Right? But what Anna does is Anna acknowledges for you and for me the redemption of God in our lives. Right? Now let me put it to you like this. From the moment we're born, our bodies begin to grow and they also begin to die. As we are born, We are born into suffering. As we are born, we are born into sin. As we are born, we are born into a world that doesn't acknowledge God and the power of God isn't necessarily present to us and in us and willing and able to make a difference unless we choose it. Unless we choose it. When we come to a moment, to our now moment of accountability, where we have the option to choose Jesus, until then, we are just searching, trying to find ourselves and trying to find God. And because of that, we, we encompass a level of suffering. Right? Now, some of you may think, well, my life's pre-Jesus was pretty cool. I just realized I needed a Savior. And sometimes that exists. Sometimes, like Bethany shared with us, she accepted Jesus at a really young age. Right? But But... What happens is no matter those things that move and work in our life, our flesh is going to break down, our flesh is going to suffer, and our flesh is going to seek to please itself. Amen? Even in the church, right? Even in a good marriage, 
even in, even in the church, even in teaching Sunday school, even in doing the right things, our flesh will seek to please itself. And if we give in to that, then what we have done is we have, we have invited suffering into us. Amen? Not only spiritually, because we're now removed from God and there's enmity with us and God, but also because we are now in a place that we have to deal with guilt, we have to deal with shame, we have to get, worry about what people think and what people say, and we have to worry about all of that stuff. So suffering will come into our lives, right? Pain will come into our life. Sin will come into our life. Fleshliness will come into our life. And yes, none of us are perfect. Not even me. I tell you guys all the time, I don't wear a big red cape. I'm as human as you are, uh, but I am determined to get better every single day. I want to be better yesterday than I was today, and I want to be better next week than I was this week. Amen? And that comes from work, that comes from dedication, and that comes from pouring ourselves into what God is doing. Amen? Not what we want to do. Right? You understand that, right? I'm not trying to be hard. But sometimes this, this idea of doing what we want to do and then telling everyone else, including God, to accept it, there, there's, there's no greater heresy than that, right? There's no greater enmity with God than that. And we, we've got to come to that understanding. And so what, what Anna presents to us here is Anna presents to us the realization of redemption. And redemption means this, okay? In the flesh, you're going to suffer, right? And, and yes, God doesn't promise us a rose garden. He actually promises us tribulation. While you're in the world, you'll have tribulation. But the funniest verse ever, be happy, right? You're going to have a horrible time. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have pain. But be happy, right? You've got to love Jesus sometimes in moments like that. But be happy. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Redemption. Salvation. Now. Moment. Right? Simeon and Anna are both pointing us to that truth that we are going to suffer in the flesh or we're going to suffer in the spirit. One or the other. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Sometimes it's going to be painful. And the suffering is going to be true and the suffering is going to be real. But we can do it alone and empty or we can do it in the hands of Jesus. And in the hands of Jesus, we are promised a redeemer and we are promised a redemption for our lives. And we are promised his presence in the very time of trouble. Amen. In my time of hurt, in my time of danger, in my, in my time of want, where am I supposed to look? Am I supposed to look to Facebook? Am I supposed to look to the rah-rah? Am I supposed to look to this? Am I supposed to look to that? No. As I look to the hills, I look to the hills, to the creator, to the alpha, to the omega, to the one who has seen everything before Joss, and he sees everything that's coming after, and he knows how to deliver us in those times and in those moments if we walk and trust him, if we walk with him and trust him, he will do that. And Anna lays that down for us here. Simeon says it, and Anna sums it up for us. Amen? When, when we come to that place, when he looks, Simeon looks at, at, 
at them and he said, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. What does the fall and rising again sound like? Sounds like baptism, right? The fall, I'm putting it to death and the rising again, I am now living in what's been given. I'm now living in what's been promised. Amen? And if we want to come to Jesus, we have to have that kind of now moment in Jesus where we choose to lay the flesh down, the fall, and rise again in the hope, in the joy, in the peace, and the strength of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? We are all promised that redemption and that hope because of who Jesus is. A rise and a fall. It's going to happen. And it can happen to you with or without Jesus. And that is your choice. And it shall be a sign. Let's find the right level of my glasses here. And it shall be a sign <clears throat> which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. How many times... When Jesus, well, let me say it this way. When Jesus taught, Jesus taught in parables, right? And, and a lot of times those parables were taught that those, those parables are an earthly story with a, let me say it, heavenly meaning, right? I, I've, I learned that back when I was like four years old again and again and again in, in Sunday school. Amen. Um, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I sometimes think Jesus went a step further, right? I sometimes think Jesus is laying down the teaching and laying down the knowledge for all who are present, but I sometimes think the type of example he was using spoke specifically to somebody's heart in the crowd. Like when he was talking about the prodigal son, I sometimes wonder if that stinky hog-smelling dude in the back didn't need to be reminded that it's okay to go home. It's okay to go home. I sometimes wonder if when Jesus was, was talking about being the bread of life and feeding people and restoring people and bringing people into a presence that sustained them every day, it didn't have something to do with someone standing in the back of the crowd over on this side that needed to understand that there was more to life than just the stuff they were fueling themselves with every day. Amen? Maybe there were more to the parable, parables than, than just a story. Amen? And if we're careful enough to see, and if we're careful enough to listen, and if we're careful enough to allow God to speak into our lives, we we will begin to see our redemption and we will begin to see our deliverance and we will begin to understand that the best parts of our lives have everything to do with Jesus Christ. And that's what Anna says to us when she says that the redemption, the redemption of God is here. It is in this place. It is able to move us and do a work in us. I saw something um, this week online again. Um, 
and it was, uh, it was a pastor on Twitter. Uh, I read a lot of news and, and a lot of different preacher stuff on, on Twitter. And, and he said something that, that without ignition and a fire, a car can't go. The same as us, spiritually, we're not able to go unless there is a fire in us. Simeon had to have a fire in him to wait and endure that long for something God had promised. To remain faithful that long, amen, for something God had promised. Today, we are not the most faithful bunch. We are constantly looking for what will feed our flesh and not what will empower our soul and our spirit. We're looking for what makes us happy and feel good, but we're not willing to suffer promises of God's redemption plan in our life. And because of that, we easily drift. We easily move away. Doesn't mean that we're not still good. Doesn't mean that we're not even still saved. Just means we're not on fire. Amen? And I'm going to say something very simple but very profound. The amount of fire burning in you versus the amount of worldliness and fleshliness and sin burning in you has everything to do with how you see Jesus. When Simeon took him and raised him up, he knew. He saw the salvation of God. Do we understand? He saw the salvation of God. When he came to the earth, the angels knew and saw what had come and what had been given. Anna, when she walked in behind Simeon, saw the redemption of God. And we will talk next week and the next week after that of people who saw the power and the redemption of God. And my concern with with rah-rah without substance isn't anything about an anti-any preacher. I didn't name any names. I mean, you could probably name 500. Amen, because it's all over the place. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't like to speak against God's men. So I'm not against the man. I'm not against their pulpit. I'm not against their church or anything like that. I'm just simply saying the foundation has to hold true in our life because the rah-rah will fade. Amen? And at the end of the day, your life, your temple, it remains holy or not based on how you see Jesus.
He came and revealed all things. He came and he put me and he put you and he put whosoever will in a spotlight. He came and he divided right from wrong. He came and he divided good from bad. He came and he divided lukewarm from red hot. Amen? That's what Simeon means when he says he has come to rightly divide and create a fall and a raising up. In the eyes of Jesus, we all fall down. But how we see him determines how we rise up. And so this morning, I encourage you. Don't stay in the hog pen any longer than you have to. Don't choose, don't choose the world and invite God into it. The goal was exactly the opposite. Choose God and invite the world into it. Amen. So that the world might be changed. Because God's not changing. Amen. I don't care how good a speech you write. I don't care how you polish it up and pretty it up and make it look good. God will not change. He's absolute. He is absolute. And I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. Because it shows me what my aim is. It shows me what my hope is. It shows me what my goal is. And he promises the power to get me there. Through Jesus. Amen. Simeon and Anna break it all down for us in Luke 2. They summarized every sermon, every preach in Luke chapter 2. And what I've read to you today, these two people who probably aren't the most popular Bible people ever known, tell us everything we need to know about Jesus. And that he came to deliver the preserved Israel and set free the Gentile and is the answer to God's promised redemption. Wraps it all up, right? And so now we have we have a now moment today. Right? We have a now moment tomorrow. We have a now moment next week. Every single day. Amen? My boys asked me one time, say, Dad, when were you saved? I said, this morning. What? Yep, this morning. No, you no, no, you don't understand. When were you when were you saved? When I got out of bed this morning and I had my first thought. Well, you've been preaching for like all of these years and you're our pastor. How'd you get saved this morning? I said, Because when I got out of bed this morning, I chose him. When I got out of my bed this morning, I chose him. I didn't choose the world. I didn't choose this, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose what made me happy. I chose Jesus today. So today is my day of salvation. Now is my time. Now is my moment. Now. The power of God is here. And they were young. And so they kind of looked at me. And, and I could tell they didn't fully understand. And I said, you see, the, the reality is this. You're going to be offered a lot of stuff. And the merit of who you are is determined by what you take and what you turn down. 
today. I take Jesus and I turn down everything else. So we have to choose. Amen. I look around, I see a lot of awesome people. People I've known for a very long time, a few that I've known a short time. But even at that, your heart has already revealed itself to me and, and your, your desires to seek God has revealed itself to me. And so this isn't a message where I want you to go home feeling bad about yourself, but this is a message where I want you feeling good about who Jesus is, right? Because the choices I'm weighing on you are the same choices I deal with, right? I had to choose this morning who I served, same as you, right? So I'm not dumping anything on you. What I'm wanting to do, and I hope I'm doing, is I am encouraging you to embrace the gift we were given. Embrace the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Choose him. Choose him. And if you do, I promise he will make your path straight. Let's stand and sing.